0: Please be advised that Gen X This Is Y contains adult language. Jesus Christ, now Mary's the hottie? What the fuck has happened? Are we in an alternate universe like Howard the Duck? <laughs> Hi and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy. I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Today we continue our journey into Walnut Grove with Little House on the Prairie, Season 2, Episode 12, The Talking Machine. The description reads, Nellie and Laura both begin clamoring for the affections of a boy at school. Angered when Jason indicates a preference for Laura over her, Nellie attempts to sabotage their relationship by using her brand new talking machine as a malicious tool for blackmail. <laughs> um, I just want to get something out of the way. I read, I wrote, this is a science heavy episode and I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> just like you were fucked with Paul reading poetry last week. <laughs> this is true. Did you love this? Yeah, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. I liked it too. And again, this is going out to our biggest fan, Ely, who really wanted us to watch this. And I'm glad she did. I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like Ely's just telling us to do every episode because I feel like <laughs> we've almost done every episode in the season. <laughs> no, Bunky Jen had requested the camp oh, out. that's right. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. Camp out yeah. wasn't that like Ely's, right? Yeah. Okay. So I did write that this was directed by Victor French and I thought the directing was pretty good okay maybe he's found his because he wasn't in it really right yeah we didn't see them no, at all no he really wasn't in it oh it's paw centric it's, but we didn't see of course it is we didn't see Edwards did but, Michael Landon write it I don't know who wrote it Motherfucker, pause All right, we're back, and no, no Michael Landon on this one. So, but I think, you know, there's some more, I mean, it's a low bar, let's just say that, but some more sophisticated directing, I think, than when Michael Landon does it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we open on, and already I'm stumped, a phonograph, a talking machine, Uh, what the (sighs) fuck is this thing? I have an index card. You have, have an, an index, index card, card already. I mean it's an episode about science. Oh so yes, God. I do. Jenny, can't you hold it? I mean, will you just lose half of ask, our listeners? You, you just literally asked the question that is on the index card. So I can mm-hmm. hold it for a later moment. I feel like we're gonna lose half of our audience in the first five seconds. <laughs> so all right, so- go ahead. Wait, let me play your sound effect. Mm-hmm. What is Edison's talking machine? So this was an one of Thomas Edison's invention in nineteen or in eighteen seventy seven he invented this. It was basically the invention that would become the phonograph. So they're not called. It wasn't called that in eighteen seventy seven. It was called the talking. It had a couple of different names. The talking machine was one of them. He thought it would be used for office dictation. He was kind of fixated on that. He's like you know like people are going to record like like managers and CEOs i don't know if they were CEOs at the time but like they would record their dictation and then later people would transcribe into letters and documentation this is what he thought it, the main use case of it was he was very fixated on that. Meanwhile, his competitors kept improving on it. So that was like a common thing. Like Edison would invent something and get all crazy about what it was going to be because he wasn't like a good marketer. Like he wasn't a good salesman, but he was a mm-hmm. great inventor. So then other people would pick it up and like see the functional value of it and and run with that. So they kept improving on it and they developed the uh, new recording medium of a disc so that like now you see it with a cylinder, which wasn't, you know, that wasn't really uh, practical. I wish you guys could see me right now, acting interested. Like I deserve an Emmy. I deserved the Emmy that Leah Thompson deserved in Howard the Duck,
1: which <laughs> anyway, we just covered
0: over on Blockbuster. We'll get to that. <laughs> anyway. They so they saw that his competitors saw it as a device that would play music, which you know Edison was like, who the hell wants to sit there and listen to music? Like mm. no, this know. is for office dictation. So because the recording capabilities weren't great, but the playback was really good. So eventually Edison gave in like the like the immediate playback abilities right so to be able to record and listen back was difficult but you could record you know something on a, a medium and put it on a plate and it sounded great. So eventually Edison gave in and he decided he'd let it be a music player and he joined the recording business but he was poorly suited to it since he disapproved of most popular music. He dismissed wow. miserable, miserable dance and ragtime selections. <laughs> And described jazz as something for nuts. Wow. Which was Is he wrong? Was <laughs> <probably racist. laughs> Soon another competitor emerged, the Victor talking company. So that became the Victrola. So that was really the one that went on to like be super popular because they were willing to pay people for their music and Edison wasn't. So that's why the Victrola prevailed. I love how it's a science heavy episode and I'm stumped opening scene. <laughs> So that's what that is. It's making little notches in tin foil. And, okay. and then okay. you're playing it back. All right. Thanks, Jenny. Now, so there's an old timey device <laughs> making some music. <laughs> we literally just talked about what it was. Okay. A salesman is trying to sell this device to the Olsons, and they are not having it. He tells them, You could put your own voice on there. And Harriet's like, Nope. And they try to use this as a selling point to Nels later. Like, you can hear your wife's beautiful voice nope. anytime you want. <laughs> nope. Nels is like, the only time I. The only thing I would do with it is shut it off. Yeah. yeah. Not a selling point for Nels. So the salesman is pushing Nels really hard. And he explains that his wagon broke down on the way into town. And he was hoping to use the money from the sale to fix it because he got somebody some labor to start working on this. <laughs> this caused a lot of confusion for me. Really? Spo- spoiler alert. It's Charles. Yeah. <laughs> the labor is Charles. No, because later when Charles has that wagon wheel, he's like, I got to run this town. I'm like, what the hell is he doing running a wagon it, wheel in the town? Exactly. It was more, a little more sophisticated this episode. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Nell sends the dude away. <laughs> Then at the schoolhouse, Nellie stumbles down the stairs and drops her book. And I wrote, is she having a stroke? No, she threw her books on the ground on purpose. Yes. yes. She's trying to get the attention of a boy, Jason. <laughs> and Laura's trying to get his attention too. And of course, Wet Blanket Mary is calling her out. <laughs> Nellie tries to- Well, they're to all laugh. acting very pathetic. So They really are. Nellie is literally trying to lure Jason into the store with candy. Did you get that? <laughs> yeah and sarsaparilla yes but he refuses to go he has something that he's working on in fact miss beetle is urging him to display whatever this talent is to the class she tells him you can't hide that talent under a bushel barrel jason i don't even know what a bushel barrel is yeah i don't either jason runs off and laura literally chases him (laughs) i'm like have some dignity and Laura falls like falls for guys in like a second. I know. Like I know. head over heels in like a minute. There's some bad weather brewing. Thunder is heard as she runs. First of all, weather has never been a thing in Walnut Grove. No, it never even rains. Suddenly in this episode, it's all <laughs> over It's like a place. storm every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Laura finds Jason in a field with a kite. She says she's just passing by. And Jason is upset because the storm has passed. And I wrote, oh my God, is this a Benjamin Franklin thing? So I have an index card. Jenny, (laughs) come (laughs) on. There's going to be one like every eight seconds. You better make this quick. (laughs) It's quick. So wait, let me get the sound again. Okay, go ahead. So, do they do Franklin's electricity experiment? Because that's what this is, right? They're referencing Ben Franklin with a kite. Okay. And would you like to tell me what his experiment was? Okay. So he (laughs) tied a key to a string and then a ribbon at the end. And he wanted to get electric fire down the line. Okay, so you would be dead because that's not what his experiment was. So yes and no. So they so in 1756, we already know, we already knew what electricity was and that lightning was electricity. So Franklin did not discover that. He did not discover electricity. What he discovered He learned how to harness it. Was a way to test it to Mm -hmm. test like the hypothesis they had around electricity. So he came up with a whole plan that involved an antenna on top of a building on top of a mountain. And they were doing that and they set that all up in France and they were testing it. But in the meantime, Franklin became impatient and he's like, screw it. I'm going to go outside with a kite and a, and a key and that can go higher than a, than a steeple. So I'm going to go out there and do this. So he, he goes outside in an electrical storm. What happens is when electricity struck nearby, like when lightning struck nearby. It electrified the air, which electrified the key. And then when he touched the key he got shot. So that's how he proved that like the air becomes electrified in electric storm. If lightning had hit that kite and went down that string he'd be dead, which someone else did in Russia a year later and died. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah you're right. I'd be dead. Yeah you'd be dead. I'd be dead. All right. Let me, you know, and I think that they showed I think that they showed electric, like, lightning hitting the kite, didn't they? Yes. Okay, so that's inaccurate. Laura would have meant that if that happened. So Laura helps him get the kite in the air. And meanwhile, Mary goes home without Laura and tells Paul, Laura is in love with the scientist. I wrote, I'm fucked here. Well, and, and why was Laura jumping around the field going, we did it like a five-year-old. No, like, that's or, later. No, that was right. That was, she did it twice. She, she okay. did it twice. And I'm like, she was acting like your girls used to act when they watched Dora the Explorer. (laughs) Swipe or (laughs) not swiping. No, like we did it. We you know that whole thing. Yeah. Did you notice Laura looks younger again? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why does she look five years old? Yeah, we need to do some research into (laughs) that. Now see, that would be a fucking interesting index card. I mean, would it though? Yes. For like the, the result is going to be like, yeah, oh, no, she's we'd younger. Much rather hear about the inaccuracies of lightning and kites, but you I know. mean that's interesting. <sighs> okay. All so right. wait, I just want to tell our listeners. So like, we're trying a new platform, and we can see each other now, which <laughs> is super weird. We couldn't see each other. In all Jenny, other I was going to remark on how pale you are. All right. Okay. And then I, 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 I realized I, it's because you're home writing index cards. <laughs> I haven't been outside in a long time. <laughs> No, like Jenny, look amazing. You're beautiful. Like 25 years I haven't been outside. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you been in quarantining um, for 25 years? I haven't years? been in the sun in like 20 years. <laughs> uh, Jenny and I are going away this weekend and we're going to go to the beach. And since it's quarantine and no one's wearing masks, we have to stay in the house the entire time and only sneak <laughs> up to the beach at night when it's dark <laughs> out. And I feel, Jenny, like that might be your dream vacation. Yeah, no, that's I do like, we do sometimes go biking and that's, that's okay. okay. But I'm usually fully covered when I'm biking. Cause it's, I'll get a right. number. Right. Okay. Jason and Laura have no luck and the storm is over. Jason says he won't give up just like Ben Franklin who didn't give up and became president. You knew that one, right? That's not science. I know my presidential history. Yeah, that's what I figured. I figured Um, we'd be okay there. Fake news, fake news, fake news. Like, I feel like Jason is plucked right out of this current election cycle. Well, (laughs) he must be one of those people who's great at science and math and, like, doesn't read anything. I guess. Ever. Later at dinner, Pa and Ma are calling Laura out, and Mary flips out and corrects her. She's like, he was a founding father. He was not a president. (laughs) Then Laura says, but he was president. President of a stove company. Oh, boy. Laura needs some help with her sense of humor. Yeah, she does. Pay attention to your dad, who has the greatest sense of humor and the most adorable smile. Pay attention to him. All right. Mary teases Laura about being stuck on Jason. And Pa says, well, if he follows in the footsteps of Benjamin Franklin, he might be a good prospect. I'm raising my hand. Go. Okay. I mean, maybe not the part where um, Ben Franklin got syphilis from being a whore. <laughs> There's yeah, certain not- parts of Ben Franklin you want to take with you, and other parts maybe you don't want to replicate. And just while we're talking about Ben Franklin, real quick, I recommend to everyone to watch the drunk history of Ben Franklin and his son Jack Be- Jack Black. Pa- Please, oh, Ben Franklin. That one. Uh, yeah, and no, he's flying the kite. It's fantastic. I don't think I saw that one. The one about Tesla, speaking of electricity, yes. Yes. is epic. Yep. That's the best yep. one. They're all in the same season. Yeah. They're all around the same time. <laughs> all right. Laura and Pa go out to the barn, and Pa is fixing something. And I wrote, does this man ever fucking rest? Well, I just want like, to. I've started calling this the drama barn. <laughs> <laughs> because everything happens. Like, everything dramatic happens. That's in a great barn. name for a bar, isn't it? <laughs> the drama barn. <laughs> And she yes. tells him that she doesn't think she's pretty enough. And he says, enlightened Charles, yes, you are. And besides, pretty isn't everything. What's in your head and in your heart is what is important. And if a boy has any sense, this is what he looks for. Well, I know, but I felt like he was saying, don't worry that you're not pretty a little bit. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't. Don't listen to her. Don't listen to her. Laura says maybe she could be a woman scientist. And Pa tells her, yes, there are women doctors in Mankato right now. All you have to do is study. Jenny, I thought you would enjoy this little bit of feminism from Pa. No, I said, I wrote, is he a feminist? That's pretty Because cool. he says something else later that I was like, oh, Pa's a feminist. Yep. And I'm like, oh my God, what about Madame Curie? And then I realized Madame Curie's not around yet. They don't yeah. know about Madame Curie yeah. yet. Because I'm like, well, there's an obvious, there's a huge obvious example, but nope, not yet. It's the late 1800s. Cut now. So, cut to the Olsons, and Nellie is lamenting that Jason traipses after Laura, yet she, Nellie, is way prettier. <laughs> wow. Can Aaron? I? Can I interject here? Yeah. Traipses—that was a word Graham used all the time. Graham used it all the time. By rewatching Little House, I'm realizing a lot of Graham's vocabulary and like like some of her like jargon came from the 1800s. <laughs> well, or did it come from the 1970s? Oh no, I feel like I can't relate to Yeah, but is it in the book that she traipses? Oh, I don't know. You That's know a what good I mean? question. I That's a good question. Like, yeah. is this lingo from yeah, or is it from the seventies? Like, when like you're that, turning a book into a screenplay, especially at this level, but think this about level, it. If it's stuff that Graham heard from her parents, like that would they were born in the in like 1900. Like, yeah. True. Actually, yeah, they were probably born in, like, turn of the century. So, like, they would have grown up talking like that. True. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to do an index card on that. Oh, God. Nellie, okay, so Harriet is giving Nellie some love advice and tells her <laughs> to find Jason's soft spot. And Nellie asks Harriet what Nell's soft spot was. And Harriet goes, well, me, of course. That's and then happened. she says, and the best pair of high-stepping greys in Sullivan County. Jen? I think horses. Maybe. I think, I think sure, horses. Sure, we'll go with that. We'll go with yeah. that. Okay. Nellie says Jason is fond of science. He loves techie stuff. And then you see Harriet. Does she has say an techie idea. stuff? No, she doesn't say techie okay. stuff. How's she says like, like okay, devices like and inventions. Okay. I'm saying techie stuff. <laughs> okay. And then Harriet has an idea. Zoom in tight on her smiling. <laughs> Okay, cut to, we see hot Charles under a wagon, fixing a wheel. (laughs) turns out the wheel is for the traveling salesman. Now I put it all together. Uh Uh-huh. The salesman is making small talk with Charles about his horse. This is weird. The salesman's an asshole. (laughs) I I mean, he's a super asshole. Yeah. He says the only thing that scares his horse is lightning. Must be because she's female and their juices are different than ours. Oh, my God. And Paul's like, I've seen many men be scared by lightning too, asshole. <laughs> yeah, that was like, Charles is all feminist this, this episode. I love it. Their juices are different than ours is the ickiest yeah, that's sentence gross. I've ever heard in my life. Like, you might as well throw moist in there. Uh. Charles is like, yeah, no. Charles charges him $6, but the asshole reveals he has no money. Would you take a trade? <laughs> And then he pulls out the talking machine. He says it's an exact replica of the one Edison built in Menlo Park. He says it's worth $50 if it's worth a nickel. And then the salesman demonstrates the machine by doing that creepy, like, I'm a talking machine. And he's winding it. I belong to Charles Ingalls of Walnut (laughs) Grove. Like, it's creepy. Oh, Charles is fascinated. Nels walks in at that very moment and Charles and Nels strike up a deal. Basically Nels forgives Charles Bill at the store and Nels walks away with the talking machine, a decision that would come back to haunt him. Right. Letting that go. I feel like it's Pawn Stars and he just lost (laughs) it. Yes. Yes. How much you want for that talking machine? $75. I'll give you $7. Sold. (laughs) (laughs) All right. At school, Jason is demonstrating a donkey engine and I didn't get much after that. There's steam involved. Well, and will, did you get Willie all yes. nice there? Yes. Miss beetle starts talking about Leonardo da Vinci and Willie calls him silly and is sent to the corner. Well, will well, he's demonstrating the donkey engine and, and all the advancements of it. Like, here's this great new tech. And Willie's like, that's dumb. That'll never work. And I'm like, I worked with that guy. I worked with yeah. Willie. <laughs> Two things about this. Number one, I think that's a very young Albert standing next to Willie. The actor who plays Albert eventually is standing next to Willie in that scene. I'm I'm gonna gonna put it I'm gonna put it in the Mimi B group. All right. You guys can decide. I'll I'll be on the edge of my seat waiting. Yep. And another thing is I forgot what a trope it becomes that Willie's in the corner. (laughs) Willie's always in the corner. He's always in the corner. (laughs) -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So They're in the middle of class and it starts to thunder. And Jason asks to be excused to go do his experiment. Jen, do you remember ever being able to leave school to go do an experiment? So first of all, I mean, I know you left school to go experiment with drugs in the back of somebody's car, but so first of all, I think that Benjamin Cumberbatch, is that his name? Cumberbatch. Is that, yeah, that actor. Yeah. I think that he took his inspiration for the invitation game from Jason in this episode. The imitation game. Yeah. Yeah. What did I call it? The invitation game, it sounded like. No, well, I have there. invitation <laughs> written down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't talk today. Jason runs out of school. Laura runs out of school. Nellie runs out I know. of school. Like, everybody just a, yeah. up and leaves. Okay. And Miss feels like, okay, they're going to do a science experiment. Yeah, cool. Cool. In the field, Laura and Jason get the kite up, and Jason speaks a lot of sciencey jargon. Well, and obviously, Laura did not study Ben Franklin, because she just handedly takes the kite in her hand. Like, I got this. Yep. <laughs> He explains that lightning will hit the key, travel down the string. I don't know what else. Honestly, I'm zoning out at this moment. Oh, that's not the experiment as we discussed. What I do know for sure is that Laura grabs the key and gets zapped backwards, and that would be me. Yeah, but if if what hap- if what had happened was what they showed, she'd be like yes. she would have been hit by lightning. Yeah, yeah. Jason is thrilled, and they start dancing around, singing, "We made electricity." <laughs> <laughs> okay. And again, Laura's like four years old. And and she's aging backwards. And it's important to know that she's, like, it's raining heavy. It's storming. Yeah. So back at the Ingalls, it's still pouring. And we see Charles gathering some wood, throwing it on the fire while Caroline is attending to a soaked Laura. And there is no way those wet-ass logs just started blazing. No. They were soaked. Mm -hmm. No. no. We have a wood burner. We do this. We run firewood all, all winter. No. That would never happen. No, no way. It would you be very, very, very days. smoky. Yeah. Laura's on a high, and she's telling Mom, Pa how fun everything was. Then, like a metaphorical wet blanket, Mary descends, and the black cloud descends with her, down the stairs to shit all over everything. She just brought down dry clothes for I, Laura. Then I wrote, surprisingly, she doesn't say much, but she's looming and judging. She's definitely judging, <laughs> and as she should be. I mean... <laughs> Laura is drying by the fire and starts sneezing. And she and Pa share a little smirk. Later that night, Laura is reading—I think I have the name of this—the Wonderful World of Science, something like that—and sniffling. Mary says Laura might have to stay home because she has the sniffles. And Laura's like, "Nope, it's inflammation of the nasal membrane, and it's caused by a dirty green germ with spots on its back." Yeah, and I wrote spots on its back. I don't like this science, Laura. I just don't like her. Give us Laura back. This is, she's morphing into Mary (laughs) and it's annoying and boring. Okay. Mary, Mary tells Laura she's being nerdy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. She said, you get sick from getting your feet wet. Everyone knows that. Oh my God, Mary, is this like Charles Jr. born in the egg? But again, well, I mean, this was a Graham thing. Remember, like, if you went out with wet hair, that's how you got sick. So, like, is this a 70s thing or is this like a early 1900s thing? I just think everyone is dealing in conjecture and fake news in this show. Well, I mean, it's it's not entirely untrue. Like, you could weaken your immune system, right? Like, and be vulnerable, but that's not how you actually get sick. Laura wonders if Jason got sick as well. And she goes, I wonder if we have the same germ. And I'm thinking, would Girl, you feel that way if you had both had the same STD? Right, exactly. Like, we both have that's chlamydia. Not, that's not romantic. Mm-mm. The next day, Nellie Nelly is doing some needlepoint on the porch. and Harry Already asks, suspicious. Already I, suspicious. I know. Harry asks her, come, on, come inside because shingles are going around? Is that what she said? No, oh, sniffles. sniffles. Oh, I can't rewind anything. Jesus, I can't right. rewind. <laughs> <But> suddenly, <laughs> shingles is in the mix. <laughs> sniffles are going around. Okay. Nellian says she's not cold and tells Harry to fuck off. Jason and Laura approach and they're talking about hot air balloons. And I ask, is that foreshadowing for the hot air balloon uh, episode? That's a great episode. Oh my God. That episode still gives me anxiety. Side note, I will never be in a hot air balloon. If I'm ever in a hot air balloon, it's because someone has kidnapped me. <laughs> or I, I go up, I'll, uh, is it Carrie who gets stuck in the balloon? Yeah, I'll yep. carry like some douchebag untied the strings while I was just in there visiting. Or I paid you to do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's <laughs> enough money. I'm terrified of fights and I don't trust the balloon. <laughs> okay, all of a sudden they hear Nellie's voice and they get closer and realize it's been recorded on the talking machine and she's sitting there like winding the machine and the voice is, go- it's creepy. It's super creepy. Jason is intrigued and Laura has a look on her face like, oh shit. Because he will always love science more than you, Laura. Mm-hmm. So this reminded me of an incident where I was divorcing my first husband. And I had found out through text messages that he had this new girlfriend. And none of that convinced me it was really over until I saw her text to him that she had just bought him a PlayStation 2. Forget it. It's over. I was like, it's over. It's done. I'm Laura now. It's, done. it's never coming back. It's finished. So Laura, I feel you. I feel you. Back at the homestead, Laura is telling Charles about this and she wishes he had gotten the talking machine. Laura this, said, this ahead. is all in the drama barn. It's in the drama barn. Yes. Laura said Nellie is lucky because she can have anything she wants. Charles tells her you can't buy friends not the real ones anyway he says quote there ain't enough money in the world to buy real friends or a boyfriend and I wrote I disagree <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with that I feel like you can buy a boyfriend I mean that that's, that's what Nellie or that's what Harriet was trying to do was yeah. buy a boyfriend for Nellie yeah Laura's like, okay, Paul, you're right. Can I invite Jason over to dinner? Because Nellie has the talking machine, but I have Ma's dumplings. Okay, okay. whatever. All right. The next day, Jason is experimenting with a mini steamboat on the creek. And Laura has an idea. What if this boat could go anywhere it wants to? And he loves the idea. A steamboat that can go anywhere. Laura asks if she can help invent it. And he says, yes. He says, I wouldn't want anybody else for my partner, but you and I wrote, is he leading Laura on Johnny Johnson style? Well, Laura did just invent the aircraft carrier, basically. So like, maybe he just wants to, you know, maybe he's, maybe this is Thomas Edison style and he just wants to like pull that into his invention group. He just wants to get in on it. And I also have that. He looks like Beck. I couldn't figure out who this guy looks like. He looks exactly like Beck. Yes, he does. He's a young Beck. All right. So I Beck love goes to Beck, dinner. It ruins him for me a little <laughs> so bit. So Beck goes to dinner at the Ingalls. <laughs> so at dinner, Beck is wowing Paul with his scientific <laughs> knowledge. They spend some time shitting on the Olsons. Jason can't stop talking about the talking machine. And Laura starts doing scientific experiments at the table. Again, I don't like science, Laura. Well, did you catch the biting remark that Mary made? No. So he's talking about the talking machine. She goes, "Are you going to have that on your steam engine boat or something?" Like it was so dry and like cutting. I was like, "What? What is going on here?" Mary is totally jealous because look what's happening. Yes. Yes. Mary's like, I'm stuck with the poetry reading weirdo. Yeah, I think is a better decision. Yeah, I feel like they should swap. They should swap. Like Mary should take this this um whatever science guy. (laughs) (laughs) This Ben Franklin guy. All right, at the Olsons dinner hour. So this was another good transition. You have yep. dinner at the Ingalls yep. and then dinner at the Olsons. Nellie is saying she hates Jason and he has no manner. She's surprised he even wears shoes. And I wrote, So she so he does have one up on Johnny Johnson, who yeah. never wore shoes. <laughs> never wore shoes. Nell says he's from Massachusetts, isn't he? But never really explains that. I feel like he's he's tr- he was about to, like, make some kind of generalization about East Coast folks. But isn't Harriet from the East Coast? I think so. I think that yeah. uh, I don't retain much from your index cards, but you had something going on there. I think she was from the East Coast. And, she was yeah, because she shoots him a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Harriet thinks Laura Ingalls is rude. For inviting Jason over. And Nels just throws a temper tantrum. Oh, my God. Right Nels, Nels dresses down Nellie. Like- he really does. He says, it's ridiculous to be fretting over a boy when you're not even old enough to blow the foam off a sarsaparilla. Yeah. He and Ingalls are, he says the Ingalls are very nice. And Nellie runs <laughs> off crying. And I had forgotten Nellie's cry. Oh, God cry it turns into the whole tantrum on her bed wow do your kids do that do they fling themselves on their bed and throw a tantrum no they really don't they really don't (laughs) thank god Nellie flings herself on her bed then in a rage almost smashes the talking machine until she realizes she can use it and zoom in on her face evil plan well and I love the evil plan music like why can't I get that for my index card (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true the next day, Laura is innocently bringing eggs to the Olsons. I wonder if they're double yoked. I they're not because the hens are slacking off. Did the you hens are that? slacking off. <laughs> Nels is getting her some items from the store and Nellie comes downstairs and she invites Laura up to her room to talk. And Nels and Laura are immediately suspicious and exchange looks like, what is happening here? One of the items that Laura asked for is cream of tartar, mm-hmm. which is one of the weirdest things. Yeah, and I always want to say tartar. I know, but that's mm-hmm. not what it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, I'm just fancy. It's potassium hydro, hydrogen tartrate. tartrate. Tar, 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 tar oh, okay. It's mm-hmm. a byproduct of winemaking. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. And it's like citrusy or lemony. Stop it. Like, Stop trying okay. to get an index Stop. card in. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Nellie starts asking Laura leading questions about Jason. Laura, Laura, don't trust her. Laura, don't fucking trust her. Laura says he's nice and smart, but only says maybe when Nellie asks if Laura likes him. Then she she talks herself into it. Like, yeah, maybe I really do like him. And I hope he likes me. And then yeah. we see Willie mm-hmm. behind the mirror recording all of this on the talking machine. Because yeah. wow. then she goes into a whole thing about them getting married and owning yep. a store. like yep. It's really bad after it's that. It's really bad. At home, Laura and Mary are getting ready for bed and fighting over whether or not Nellie has been reformed. Laura thinks so, but Mary doesn't. Mary sees right through that shit. Then Mary reveals Nellie is bringing the talking machine to school tomorrow. So I have to say like, Edwards, the director, Victor French, actually is like creating tension. Yeah. Like building suspense. Yep. Like we are amazed when they use even the smallest (laughs) devices in the show. (laughs) Okay. So then we have the next day at school and nerdo Jason has just finished explaining for the class, how the talking machine works. So he just got up and read your index card essentially. Yeah. Yep. Willie insults him and gets sent to the corner again. (laughs) Willie's my hero. Oh, can we say Jenny, the bombshell that we learned? Oh, we forgot about the bombshell. Yes. Willie is uh, Melissa Gilbert's adopted brother. Never knew that. Never knew that. Never. Thank you to someone in our Mimi bees for oh, pointing us out. Lesson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's super small too. Like, is he really young?
1: Cause he, he doesn't might be seem that
0: young, but he's like, like he doesn't seem as young as he is small. Oh my God. Does that even make any sense? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> okay. So Nellie is called up to demonstrate the machine and she starts playing it. And it's her conversation with Laura. Wow. 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 Hmm. wow. The class laughs and Miss Beetle yells at her. I love how Miss Beetle's like, stop playing that right now. Nellie's like, I can't. It's stuck. And she's still winding it. Miss Beetle like accepts that for like 15 long seconds. And then she had to go rip her hand off it. Yeah. So Laura goes running out of school because that's all they do in this, <laughs> this show. They just run out of school when they get upset. Like, I guess there's no truancy officer here. Nope. Yeah. Laura find Laura runs to a field and throws herself on the ground crying while throwing themselves down on things too. Then she spots the red ribbon in the key and dramatically holds it and cries. Mary finds her and actually comforts her a human moment. Well I was upset Mary. with Mary because Mary should have while the rage was fresh beat up Nelly and then went and found Laura. I feel like you would have done that. yeah she should have kicked Manelli's mm-hmm. ass totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura wants to be left alone and chases Mary away. So where does Mary go, Jen? So back to the house to tell Paul. Of course. <laughs>
1: of <laughs> Laura course.
0: tells all the time too. They both do that. No, but, but that's who you go to when you need help. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes. But was this the scene I may have already missed it where Paul was installing the green roof? Did you see that where he was, no. plant, he was like installing a green roof oh my God. He the never stopped and he just gets hotter and hotter with everything. He's so far ahead of his time. God, I love that man. Paul sighs and goes off to, he's like, oh, again, all right. Again. Like, oh, I, I'm shocked. I, I don't have to, go, to go, go look for Laura. Her. No, he yeah. kind of does. Oh no, Mary knows, does, Mary knows. But Mary tells him where. Yeah. yeah. So Paul's like, all right, let me go fix this shit. And he finds Laura by a tree, and he gives her this beautiful talk oh, about how everyone wants to know they're loved, and he's sure that um, Jason still likes her, and nothing bad comes from telling people how you really feel. Not true. That's not true, not Carl. Not true. Yeah. I tell many people how I feel about them on Facebook, often in the comments of our local newspaper, and no. <laughs> well, she no. told Bad stuff. I mean, Laura told Nellie how she felt, and look how that turned out. Yeah, like, this is just wrong. Laura says she doesn't want to be a scientist anymore because she doesn't want to invent things that hurt people. Oh, God. Wait, wait, (laughs) wait. Wait until the 20th century, Laura. Paul says it's not inventions that hurt people. It's the people and the way they use them. And then Charles sends Laura home and says he has something to do. Buckle it! Gonna kick ass. Buckle Someone's in gonna fix some house on this. Finally, smoking hot in this <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna go tell on uh, Nelly. Okay, what he has to do is head to Olson's and rip on Nelly. Oh yeah. And I, I just keep. I wrote smoking hot in capital letters. Like I can't even. So I want to say something. I experienced this. The girls used to go to a trampoline park oh boy. near us, and Samantha called the one day and was really upset because some boy up there was harassing her. He took her phone, he was throwing it, and you know the phone was like an iPhone ten. Oh my god, I throwing was it, not giving it back to her. I told Timmy go take care of this. He got in the car, he <laughs> goes up there, and from Samantha's point of view, this is what happened. <laughs> Daddy came in. And found the kid and started screaming and cursing really loud. And everybody got really quiet. And the kid just kept saying he was sorry. And then daddy grabbed us and walked out. (laughs) I was like, like, did Timmy beat up an 11-year-old? No, he walked into a child's place and screamed obscenities (laughs) and curses. Super loud. And the staff was like, oh, nobody knew what to do. I mean F bombs like oh it was my God. outrageous. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So so but I feel I, like that is the tame version compared to what would have happened if you went there. Oh yeah, that's why I told you. <laughs> to take yeah. care of it. Yep. So Nell's calls Nellie downstairs and he flips out on her. He grabs the talking machine from her. He tells Charles to please apologize to Laura for for him. And I love it because Nellie throws Willie right under the bus. It's <laughs> right Willie bus, immediately. Later that night, Laura is staring in bed, staring at the key that she found in Jason's field, and she can't sleep. Wait, you forgot a major part. Did Nels get a belt and go beat Nellie and Willie? I didn't see that. What are you talking about? So at the so Charles leaves, and then Nels picks up a belt and <gasps> Harry's like. You are not going to. And then he's like, I, I'm going to do something I should have done a long time ago. How'd you miss that? Holy shit. <laughs> I was I like, oh that. my God. Yeah. How did I miss that? Let's review. My dog was around. <laughs> the girls were going to bed. Timmy's running around. Everybody's texting me about the convention. Like a lot was going on <laughs> last night. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> Oh, Nels. And that's another example of something that could, would never fly today on a show. Never. 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 Later that night, Laura's in bed staring at the key she found in Jason's field. She can't sleep. And Laura tells Mary that all the boys like Mary. What? <laughs> and I like how Mary's like, well, Willie doesn't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, Mary. And Laura says that if Mary lost a boyfriend, she could just find another one. But Laura, you know, she's a loser. What? I do like science, Laura. What is happening? Yep. Jesus Christ. Now Mary's the hottie? What the fuck has happened? Are we <laughs> in an alternate universe like Howard the Duck? Right. And, and then Laura says something like, weren't our lives better before we started liking boys? <laughs> oh, yeah. Girl, yeah. preach. Amen, yep. Laura. Yep. The next day, Mary is dr- literally dragging Laura to school, and Jason's standing outside waiting and reading. Laura walks past him, and he he's pretending he doesn't see her. It's already awkward. Yeah. Inside, someone wrote, Jason loves Laura on the board. And I'm like, why isn't Mary beating Nellie? On yeah, next- I know. I know. Miss Beetle threatens the students. Here's her threat. Ready? We won't have to do work today until someone confesses. And everyone's just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, not a great, not a great, not great leverage, Miss Beetle. Jason finally stands up and reveals, he did it. Whoa. And he's not sorry because it's the truth. Wow. Laura has a boyfriend. And then they smile at one another. And, and Laura they- has like all the tears on her face. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a voiceover, which is something we haven't seen in a while. And Laura says she didn't know if she'd be a scientist, you won't, or marry Jason, you won't. But she did know that it's a fine thing to know that he loved her. Loved you? Loved I mean, you? I mean, as my, well, oh, he's 16 and she's 12. But anyway. That's the end of the episode. This was action packed. I thought. I liked all, this is my wheelhouse, the science wheelhouse. So it's better than the poetry episode for me. I just skipped a lot of shit. Like there's some science talk here. This kid. I mean, it was super. It was science light. Let's face it. Come on. This kid is a super nerd. Like, I feel like this is what you would have been like if you weren't like embracing your headbanger. Self, I mean, why can't you be both things? as a teenager. Why can't you be a Because I, I feel like you went that way. I don't remember you being this way as I I wasn't. Su- I I wasn't super nerdy as a kid, no. but I like. But I, I was kind of nerdy, like within the realms of school. I li- I did well at school, and I liked school. I I went the art track too. Don't forget, like I was all into the art stuff. That's true. I That's remember true. I took like aerospace. I took like a bunch of weird shit. Yeah, day. I remember you took flying. Yeah, that was aerospace. Aerospace is flying. No, but like you actually took flying lessons. (laughs) Yeah. And Graham was not happy. That was fun. That was super fun. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I will look back at the episode and pick a theme or some kind of topic that we feel resonated with us as adults and we carried into adulthood. We call it our why. So Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So this is why it is your duty as an older sibling to train your younger, more gullible sibling to not trust anyone. You do this by constantly tricking them until they have a healthy suspicion towards everyone and everything. (laughs) Is that what you did to me? Yeah. You wouldn't have trusted Nelly. You would never have trusted Nelly. No, you're right. I wouldn't have. (laughs) You're absolutely 100% right. Let me just tell you before we discuss this, here's my why. This is why I distrust everyone. (laughs) So it worked. So it worked. (laughs) Laura trusted Nellie, and look what happened. Okay, so do you think it's a specific Gen X thing that we don't trust anyone? I don't know. I mean, is it? It's either a Gen X thing or it's a our family and us thing. I don't know. No, I feel like it might be a Gen X thing. I've recently joined a Gen X like like a political slanted group. Boy, they don't trust anybody. So. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It might be a Gen X thing. Yeah, I think it's a Gen X thing. And and here's what I wrote, too. I wrote, first of all, you should always, always anticipate being recorded. Like, come on, Laura. Yeah, well, yeah, but in those <laughs> days, come on. Not in the 1870s. <laughs> now, yes, yes, of course. 100%. But I also wrote that this is one of the reasons that I'm struggling so much with COVID-19 because restarting life and going back into environments like school and work. And I work at a university. So going back there depends on trusting each other. Yeah. And I can't do it. I can't do it. Yep. It's like you have to depend on, Like, say you and I work together and come into the office, I have to trust that you will be transparent if you go somewhere, if you're (laughs) exposed to somebody with the virus, and I don't trust that. I mean, the good thing is one of the layers of trust is, like, just trusting people to wear a mask, and that at least you can see, right? True. But then once we get into the vaccine shit, that's going to get different because you can't, you don't know if someone's vaccinated. So, like, that's going to cause a whole other layer of this when that happens. Well, and part of the problem is not to go all, you know, quarantine talk too much, but (laughs) one of the problems is there's a stigma associated with people who are exposed or have it. Mm -hmm. So there's no, it's, it's detrimental to you to admit it, to be transparent. I don't know. Like, is it a stigma? It's just like, you've had it. it, You can't get it again. At least we think for now, you can't get it again. I think it is because... I think it implies it's not always the case, but there's the implication that you were careless or reckless or well, did I guess something. It de- I guess it depends on who you are, right? Like yeah. if you're a doctor, people probably don't sure. think that, right? Sure. But like, yeah. Like if you did something and you, you know, like did something reckless and got it, yeah, you're right. right. There's, like there's- I don't trust that people at work or the kids' school even who might sneak away to go to the Jersey Shore for mm-hmm. a week. We'll be honest about that. Yeah. Because they'll, I mean it'll garner a lot of hate. The thing that's, that's infuriating is that you can do that. If you want to, people can put themselves at whatever risk they want to just come home and quarantine. And like be transparent. all you gotta do, all you gotta do is quarantine. Yeah. Or and get transparent test. about it. Right. Just get a yeah. test. Like it takes a few days. We need rapid testing, but that's a whole other thing. Like get a test. You know what I mean? Just I I go, I risk my life. That's fine. Come back, get a test. Know you're know you're safe, or quarantine, one or the other, and I then agree. and then it's fine. But it's but like, yeah, like to just come back into circulation. It's, it's this. It's like this sacred pact that you have to trust your fellow man. Yep. and I don't, and <laughs> right. I don't feel like I'm alone in that. Like I no. do, you know. Think about Gen X, like um, all the protests, like they're just really distrustful. Not their protests now, but um, when was the W? To protests in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, two thousand maybe nineteen ninety. Yeah, like right at the end of the nineties, I think. Um, they distrust institutions. Yeah, we, we just do. Yeah, we just do. And I mean, I think that's part of like coming of age under the George W. Bush administration and all that Iraq War lies and all that shit. Like, I think well, and Reagan and Iran yeah. Contra. Yep.
1: Yeah, I, I think mean, when you
0: think about mom's generation. Jenny and I talk about this all the time. Like our mother and our father are like heads down. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to believe in institutions. And I will tell you just being a little student of history, um, JFK history, specifically JFK is shot in 1963, the end of 1963. Gen X technically starts in 1964. After the JFK assassination, there is a real shift to distrusting institutions. Because they really, there were large factions of this country that really believed that an institution had him murdered. And that was, you know, you can almost look at that like the fault line. And anybody who comes after that, you know, and then Vietnam. Yeah. You know, huge. huge. So you have, you know, kind of the early Gen Xers might not have as much distrust, but certainly the latter. Yeah, And I think that you know it just it's a characteristic that we take with us and we see it today like we see this um railing against the establishment and politics well and also i think part of that too is the establishment not taking care of us right 100%. like we see things like pensions go away right like not yeah. like like our parents all have pensions and shit like we have none of that we don't even know if we're going to have social security we don't trust that that's going to be around for us like yeah. it's just those those institutions start to let us down in a way yeah. that they supported our parents, our parents' generation. Yeah.
1: So we're and, like, you know,
0: rage against the machine. Yep. <laughs> and to get back to mom and dad, like they mom trusts. like my mother works in a warehouse and had to go back to work. And like, she just, she won't like raise a stink about, yeah. are you taking care of us? Are you taking the proper precautions? Blah, blah. Like she just is a soldier. And yeah. Jenny and I are like, we would just be. No, I'd be like raging. And I always. Raging. Out. But raging. I also think, like, I mean, I don't know if dad is so much like that. Cause don't forget, dad was in the union. And that's the whole nature of a union, right? Mm-hmm. Is to like mm-hmm. stand up for those things. So, like, he didn't have to rage, right? He had an, an, yeah. an or that's another thing. They all had like unions, right? Yeah. Like, we, like, we don't have a lot of that. Yeah. And like, I think that's why you see the difference between some of these companies. Like I work for a company that's a Gen X, really a Gen X company didn't Mm -hmm. exist before 20 years before or earlier. And um, like they just treat their employees so differently because we won't deal with it. We won't, you know, we won't deal with that shit. You won't get people there. Like, it's just, thank God. And I think that will help all like companies and businesses help start to treat their employees better. Like, I think that's something we should do, but our generation won't put up with it as much. And I think it's because we have options. Yes. You know, like we don't, you could go to another company. Ironically, because we have more options. The other thing we have though, like that our parents had is you would work for a company, like company, company loyalty paid off. Right. So like mom's loyalty to like going to work and like, you know, like dealing with all the shit no matter what was a trade off for like a comp you know, like you could work for a place for thirty five years, forty years, retire, get a good retirement, pension from them. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. Like our jobs vaporize. Mm-hmm. Like you have yeah. everyone has new jobs every couple of years. Like that world's gone. So we yeah. have to be you know more flexible and we have more options. So like in some ways it's good and in some ways it's not as stable, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And and I was just thinking too like how much social media has helped us with transparency? Like Gen X is all about transparency, and I think the millennials are too. Yes, and Gen are. Y, yeah. but I think that's because they had us as either parents or older siblings, or like you know what I mean. We just we were all about transparency. When yeah. when you study the history of the American government, you will be stunned. By the lack of transparency yeah. i mean it's still still it's still there yeah but yep. it has come a long way yeah and yep. that's due to people of our generation i think demanding it like the older gen xers demanding that so yeah. um you know and it all started with Nellie and her talking machine and willie sitting behind the mirror <laughs> <laughs> Nellie kicked yeah. out the revolution The first smartphone caused all kinds of problems. I love how we talk about um, the need for transparency, the distrust of institutions, and Gen X parents fighting bullying. Like, all of these big things traced back to one person, Nellie. (laughs) Nellie. Nellie changed a generation. (laughs) I think when you look back on this, you will will have to decide, was it Laura who was the most definitive character in our childhood or was it Nellie? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, uh, Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? All right, so it's a matter of faith. Oh boy, <laughs> this is the one where Carolyn gives self-surgery and digs the infection out of her leg with like a rusty knife. <sighs> yeah, I was so I was kind of glad that we to. decided to do the talking machine before this one because I I needed a light episode last night. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah this is gonna be tough this is gonna be yeah this one this one fucked me up i feel like so um i just want to say too um we have been doing some movies so keep your eye on our feed for those that drop sporadically we'll drop them you know just when we get to do them we have dirty dancing out so far and howard the duck and we just sat down and watched heathers and did that so that will be coming soon Hopefully by the time you hear this, that'll be out or coming shortly. Um, Jenny, any closing thoughts? I mean, I can't believe I watched of the Duck. That Ooh, was something. Wow. That was that was a hot mess. <laughs> a very expensive <laughs> hot mess. <laughs> Definitely check that out. Even if you didn't see the movie, you kind of don't need to. Like, we'll guide you through it. It, it was, I mean, it was a disaster. Jenny and I, I don't know where this came from, but a couple of years ago, we fell in love with the phrase, am I here right now? Do you remember where that came from? <laughs> where did that come from? Was it a commercial? It was, a com- it was some commercial where there was all this crazy stuff going on, like unexpected things. And the guy's like, am I here right now? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that would summarize Howard the Duck for me. That would absolutely summarize Howard the Duck. Yeah. The whole, the whole hour and a half or whatever I, whatever no, life I it wasted. was on two it. hours. All right. I wasted two hours of my life on that. Yeah. Yeah. And George Lucas wasted probably six months of his life on that. And almost his reputation, I'm sure. Unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, listen to that for a complete list of who should be blacklisted from Hollywood at the end. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Hi, everyone. Amy here. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. To best support us, please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review on Apple, iTunes, or anywhere you listen. You can connect with Jenny and me through our Facebook group, The Mimi Bees. You can find information on The Mimi Bees and all other projects by liking us on Facebook or Instagram at Y. letter X, spell out the Y. Thanks again. See you soon.